That was Food, Glorious Food, sung by a group of malnourished Victorian orphans in 1968's Oliver. On the menu this week is The Platform, where food is stretched between an unfair hierarchy of prisoners. We also sink our teeth into what we've been watching in isolation. It promises to be a nourishing chat. We promise no more food puns. We've had our fill. We don't know what we're doing, we're just talking about films. You're listening to Cellcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Lawrence. The illusion has become real. And the more real it becomes, the more desperate they want it. Capitalism at its finest. How much is enough, Gordon? The richest 1% of this country owns half our country's wealth, $5 trillion. One-third of that comes from hard work, two-thirds comes from an inheritance, interest on interest accumulating to widows and idiot sons, and what I do, stock and real estate speculation. Yes, obviously we've been in self-isolation for another week, uh, so have you been watching anything of interest? Do you know, I actually haven't really been, haven't been watching too much, but the one thing I did watch was Bloodshot. Which I also watched as well. <laughs> you watched with me as well. Um, so if anyone listened to the Spencer Confidential episode, you'll know that I keep trying to find good action movies. And uh, most of the time I fail uh, if I watch a movie that's been recently made. Um, so Bloodshot, I watched with Vin Diesel. Uh, it's like a superhero action thingy about a soldier who dies and then is resurrected with regenerative and super strength powers uh thanks to experimental nanotechnology given to him by guy pierce who's like a tech genius uh it's just bollocks it's just absolute bollocks like it's it's amazing there's just no there's no new ideas no new concepts here it's just like the same old stuff of resurrected superhero that's been around since like robocop or universal soldier or just i just wish people would go and watch upgrade Upgrades like a much better film that that, that was released like a um, a couple of years ago that that deals with this so much better. It's not perfect by any means, but it's just like it's just Bloodshot's like was released just before the whole lockdown thing actually happened, right? Mm-hmm. So at the so it was like one of these one of these first things that's like a cinema release that was quickly released onto video on demand to to try and make up its cash and stuff. It's just. Such it's just typical Vin Diesel trash. Like he keeps being in this this absolute shite. Yeah, I, and I think as well it's so lazy because it could be a Fast and Furious spin-off. It's like if you're Vin Diesel and you have an opportunity to help and create a new original comic book franchise, which this is, why not aesthetically go somewhere you haven't been before? Do you know what I mean? It's like it just yeah. feels like it could have been like another like in terms of like the like vehicle smashing and like big ridiculous over-the-top stunts versus like people who are indestructible and have these sort of like immortal powers it just it just smacks of fast and furious yeah. really um like guy pierce was the biggest draw for me and yeah i don't think it's definitely not his finest work by any means but i think no, he like, was just phoning it in i think he he's at a six out of a ten but he still steals every scene from vin diesel he's at like 2.5 consistently <laughs> yeah he is um, yeah, and I think he's one of these actors, Guy Pearce, that he doesn't really mind doing these sort of big mainstream commercial films, but then he will take a gamble on an independent film made by a young director if it's pitched to him well. But um, yeah, yeah, this is just this is just a, one of a number of like silly action films that he's. he's There's a really funny to. moment when they're both in the scene together where um, Vin Diesel references Plato's The Cave. 
and Guy Pearce kind of laughs as if he's just surprised that the character would know what Plato's cave is. But I feel like it's almost Guy Pearce laughing that Vin Diesel <laughs> would know what Plato's cave is. Um, the CGI is just hilarious. It's the kind of CGI where your brain sort of just about passes it for acceptable now, but in about five years, it's just going to look hilarious. Like, they just completely CGI Vin Diesel's whole body as he fights down a building with someone. It's like, you know, it's it's just going to look absolute bollocks in a bit. Oh, there's that funny sidekick that's not funny. And also, like, kind of after a while, he seems to be delivering his lines as if he just knows he just shouldn't be there. He knows he's been picked and he's completely wrong for this, but he has to try and be the funny guy, and he's really not funny, and it's, yeah, really terrible. Yeah, I was really embarrassed, like, every single scene that he appears in towards the end, it just feels like it It just shouldn't be there. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, like, I did, I, I, a couple of the effects, a couple of the, the bits with the kind of nanotechnology, like, rebuilding his face as he, as he was getting, like, shot and stuff, did look kind of cool. There was, like, one or two moments, but honestly, I am absolutely reaching at that point. I'm do, and I do that sometimes when I'm watching an action movie. Like I, sh- I really want the genre to like come back and be good, but it just keeps disappointing me. But the the one thing that did annoy me the most because I went in to watch it as an action movie was there's a female character in it played by Eliza Gonzalez, who's been in Baby Driver and actually Hobson Shaw, a Fast and Furious movie. It's I'm, li- uh, listen, I'm I'm just not always a person that that's being triggered by everything I see on the cinema but women in action movies just just have gotten such a bad rap and I'm noticing it more and more and more that that Hollywood has just never found a way to represent women properly in action films and that they, they just looks terrible so like um, so the idea is Vin Diesel's team all are like battle scarred soldiers but they just kind of give her a respirator uh, in her neck rather than make her blind or give her no legs because if she'd been blown up it might mean that she's got a disability which just isn't sexy and not what like the producers obviously wanted and uh, of course that's why she's here just to look sexy because she's also like in the navy but she's like a swimmer um that they established so she gets to like swim in a pool a lot and kind of glisten so so it looks like a perfume advert which is in fact most of her scenes kind of look like the stuff that she gets to do her hair and makeup is is constantly perfect so she and she walks in slow motion with a really like lechy camera so it does look like a perfume advert like quite a lot um and she also wears like sports bras and skin tight trousers just around the office uh, which has got to raise a hr complaint <laughs> um but honestly i honestly could forgive all that But the thing I hate the most that Hollywood makes women in action movies do is leg fight, is fight with their legs every single time. Every single time a girl has to fight in a movie, they jump on a guy, they wrap their legs around them, usually around their head, and then they kind of push them to the ground. And it's like this, it's fighting, but it's sexy fighting uh, that's meant to make you think of them like wrapping their legs around someone rather than being a believable fighter. It's just, it's just sexist. It is just sexist because it's, it's more about making them sexy than it is about convincing you that they can, uh, that they actually deserve to be in this action movies. Like good action movies are when women fight like a real human being, like a real soldier, like when they when they like elbow someone, or headbutt someone, and someone does, and they don't actually give a shit about their hair or makeup because they're too busy like trying to actually survive. And it just it you know it was just that that moment when I was just like, oh, she's gonna get into a fight, she's gonna get into a fight, and it's like 
I, I just knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. She was going to do the leg fighting thing. And then she did. And I just, oh, it's just the worst. And I really wish they would stop doing it. <sighs> so that's how I felt about Bloodshot. Fucking leg fighting. But so, you know what? Actually, I'm just going to, I actually was also going to rent uh, Bad Boys for Life. Because um, I think that's about be about to be released. But I'm actually just not going to bother. I'm going to make a concerted effort to find a good action movie from somewhere. I don't even care where it's from, but I'm going to try and get this back on track. Because after Spencer Confidential, after we like then started talking about the, the genre and everything, it was really, it was really qu- made me feel quite bleak about the state of action movies. So I'm going to make a concerted effort to go out and find something that's like worth my time. And I will report back if I find anything good. Yeah, I wonder if um, action films are being more incorporated into the superhero genre. Because this is an action film that feels more influenced by the Marvel Universe than anything else. Yeah. So essentially, by the end, it's like... I think the final action scene is just loads of superhumans fighting each other. Yeah. Um, And I just think that's really disappointing. I still think the action film... There are. It's got larger strengths than it, the superhero genre does. I think it can be more interesting and nuanced. And I just think it's massively disappointing when we're served up shit like this. Yeah, it is. The only film, other film that I have watched was Killing the Sacred Deer. Oh yeah, which um, actually has probably more in common with the platform than I <laughs> yeah. about it. Because I guess like it, it stars um, Colin Farrell as. Um, a doctor who, um, during an operation, he kills a father of a of a boy, and then this boy grows up, becomes like very um, vehemently aggressive towards the doctor who, and then he starts to poison his family, and he has to he makes the doctor choose one f- family member that he has to kill in order for the others to survive. Yeah. So I think actually, again, this this sort of like complex. Um, it's a bit of a satire on. It's been a while since I've seen it, but it's a bit of a satire on family. Yeah. So um, it's uh, the the director's previous film was The Lobster before that, and he, then he went on to make which is satire on which is satire romance. on Rome on relationships, yeah. and then he made a satire on uh, family, uh, and then he made The Favorite. I really didn't don't like Killing of a Sacred Deer. Do you, I think you? I mean, what did you think? I mean, I just I just the problem with Yorgos Lanthimos. I think he's really inconsistent. He makes wonderfully bleak and blackly comic films but too often i come out of them and go oh god what like what was that about what was the point and then i don't really it, i don't really feel that disturbed by them the favorite and the lobster feel a lot clearer in their purpose but some, but killing the sacred deer does just doesn't it just feels like i just don't know what the I don't know what it was supposed to be about by the end. I don't know what I was supposed to take from it. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the experience of Killing a Secretary is better than the, like, um, the retrospect of it. Yeah. So, actually, I, like, I think that final scene was really badly executed. And I wasn't really overwhelmed by the film after it. I watched it. But, actually, during with it, I think the mix of cinematography, acting, music, I think it did make it, like, a real, really tense ride. Um, the performance is superb, yeah, as, as I've said, with like Colin Farrell and Barry Keogh just absolutely superb in it. But yeah, when you look back as at the film overall, um, yeah, I think there are sort of slight holes in it. And yeah, I'm glad I watched it because I thought, think The Favourite's a masterpiece. Yeah. I think it feels like his whole, his whole body of work le- leads up to The Favourite, and I'm not sure he'll make a better film um, after that. So um, yeah, it's kind of was good watching 
like knowing that he's about to make his masterpiece really because um, the killing of the sacred deer was um, slightly all over the place in the end so this week we watched The Platform, a Spanish film that was released on Netflix about a week and a half ago, and Sam's going to tell you the plot. A man named Gureng awakes to find himself in a prison complex. Food is delivered downwards via a platform in the middle of the room that starts at floor zero. As the platform goes down, more inmates eat the food, leaving less and less for the people below. The story explores how Gureng has to work out how to survive in this ruthless world, and how the people he meets in this place adapt as well. Or, as a haiku incarcerated room service buffet unfair society yeah and here's the clip in the english dub but we watched it in spanish with subtitles because we're wankers so this is uh... the pit bingo mr Chimagasi, do you know how this all works it's obvious we must eat what will it be Whatever the ones above don't want. I thought the trance of this was really excited by the concept. Um, Unfortunately, it does seem to be a film that is more concept than actual meat. I think the concept actually outweighs the the actual quality of the movie itself. Yeah, it is really well thought out and complex. And um, I think it creates a load of situations that you would ask, you know, what would I do in that scenario? Yeah, it's a good film. It's a good one of those films. Like I would describe it uh, maybe like a coffee table book. It's kind of a conversation starter. Yeah, I think it's a bit more nuanced than that, really. I mean, we're sort of like goreng for the opening statement in terms of learning the rules of the prison that they're in. There's also the lawlessness of it. So, you know, you can murder, rape, steal, do pretty much anything you want in there. Yeah. The rules in this fictional prison are that it's just you and one other prisoner. Your time is divided into month-length chunks for however long you're in the prison for. And at the end of a month, you change the level that you're on. So you might be on level 6 and then end up on level like 87 or even like level 150 or something. And it changes month to month where you're going to be. If one of you dies, then after the month ends, you get replaced with a different prisoner. And then apart from that, yeah, you're not allowed to hoard food. Otherwise, they will raise or lower the temperature until you die. But apart from that... Anything goes. You can do basically anything you want. I agree with you that I think they did some things really well. Like, it's it's a really grotesque and visceral film. And that's really effective because you, you want to get the feeling of this food becoming more and more decimated as it goes down the levels. You know, the, the fact that you will have this... It's, it's a glorious banquet that they put out. But, you know, something that's like chicken and potatoes and you know, a chocolate gatto, each is going to get, like, torn apart really, really quickly until, you know, people really, you know, until it becomes more and more of a a mess and it's more and more disgusting. Because that's the centre of the concept. You want to get that across. You want to make it quite repulsive to watch. And this is also re- reflected in violence as well, which is also quite visceral, grotesque, because you want to get across the, a sense of horror and a kind of cruel desperation that these people are going through, and it's very effective at, at doing that. I, I think that the idea of focusing it around Goring's cellmates keeps it fresh. Mm. Like, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that, you know, not everybody survives, so you will have people kind of that turn up and, like, disappear. Yeah, because when he first wakes up, his first roommate is uh, Trimagassi. And they start on floor 48, 
and Trimmer Gassi says, oh, this isn't actually a very bad fall. He's been someone who's been there for about a year, I think. And so in terms of like the food coming down, because they're at level 48, yeah. they're still able to eat. Not very well, but they're able to survive, basically. Del- delving into it, I mean, like, the the meat of this really is the, is the concept, right? You know, the idea is that it's a very unsubtle metaphor for... Uh, society in a capitalist society. It's I thought it was a funny nod that the reason that uh, Tremagassi is in there, uh, the thing that made him snap was adverts for um, various products on a, on a shopping channel. Consumerism. Consumerism, right? That's kind of he kind of snapped because of consumerism. And there's lots of little things like that in the in in the film that 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 are. I mean, apart from the whole concept is quite clearly kind of people at the top eat and then people right at the bottom have to kill each other to really survive because people on the top are unwilling to share and are desperate and it's it is a very effective metaphor right because yeah and i mean the food is like a good symbol of power yes so like the people at the top of the tower have access to it are in control and as the meal gets consumed and it descends to the bottom floors we see how weak and desperate people are and that works i think really really effectively not only like Visually, but uh, thematically as well. Yeah, it does because it's a, it's about it's about power, resources, money, whatever you want to call it. It's your standing in society, and it's a it, and it is a very effective it's a very effective metaphor. Ultimately, it comes down to about sharing the food, right? And is it possible to convince people to share the food? And how do you do that? How do you make this fair? How do you try and save lives in a system like this? Or is the only thing that you should really care about is your own survival and not trying to change things? You know, it's a, it's a debate that we have in politics all the time. You know, it's at the centre of this. You know, how much does a system work where it's just fair or is it just how much do people need to intervene to make sure it's fair? Should we intervene and make sure it's fair or do we just need to care about ourselves? You know, it 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 it's channelling a lot of those questions, right? Yeah, and I mean, that's why compassion is such a strong theme in the second third of the film, because in the second third, he has another cellmate called Imaguri, and she tries to create a system of fairness and egalitarianism. And there's a point about how when people experience the helplessness of the lower floors, they are less inclined to help those below and so and, and show compassion. So it becomes this, this vicious cycle, um, as you're saying. Um, and yeah, I think that's sort of like a really interesting balancing act. It just, but I just don't think it worked very well. I mean, I and I'm tr- I've been trying to work out that why. idea of theme that of compassion. No, I, I I just think the whole film. I think it's just too on the nose. I've been trying to work out why this is why I can't because the the problem is, is that there's nothing wrong. I, I think coming out of the film, I was like, well, you, you, you know, it like, like I say, I mean, we're talking about it now, right? It's a good conversation starter. I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with the film. I didn't I didn't dislike it, but I did come out of it not very feeling very engaged, not feeling very gripped. Even towards the end, I, I kept feeling like I was still being kind of preached to. I didn't really feel like I got to know a lot of the characters as characters. They were just kind of shells that were meant to represent an idea. And actually, the film was just all about ideas and just throwing different kind of ideas at you in, in, the, in the way that are like um, a thought experiment would. And I think that's what the film is. You know, it's a thought experiment. It, it, it's a very delicate thing with a film like this about whether whether something works or something doesn't. But I don't think it did here because I, f- I felt like it got completely overwhelmed by what it was trying to tell you. 
and a lot of the questions it was going to f- throw at you, and it kind of forgot to be engaging in any other way that the film could have been. And that's kind of a problem. Yeah, I mean, I think the film is structured in quite three significant portions. I'm not quite sure how well they all flow together. It feels like three short films set in this world, set in this complex. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not necessarily sure that the, the whole of the narrative flows together very well. No. But I think there's enough ideas in there, as we alluded to at the beginning, to talk about and to think about. And, yeah, I agree. I think even though it's not, um, like, the perfect finished product, I still think there is, yeah, a lot of interesting points made in there. So it becomes a problem when, when you're reviewing it, because I, I think there's a place for this film, but this didn't move me or or excite me, or engage me, or it's not going to stick in my mind the way that I think a film should. I think a better approach to something like this is to have like a more simple concept that you want to use to make a point. So, as an example, something like Prisoners, which, um, de- which is directed by Denis Villeneuve, yeah. and it's a movie about Hugh Jackman uh, and his daughter gets kidnapped, and then he kidnaps a suspect in the case to try and find out where she is. It's not a high-concept you know, plot, overtly, it's it's just a thriller, but it's got something to say about torture and the way that we approach horrible crimes, you know, and it's very effective at getting those messages across, right? But then the other way to do it is just to maybe forget about making a point altogether and to just run with a really good idea. So, like, a good example would be, like, The Warriors. So, like, The Warriors is uh, a movie from the 70s and it's about a, uh, a colourful street gang, um, that have to fight other colourful street gangs by, but what they have to do is that this one gang called the Warriors has to get in, get from one end of New York to the other end of New York back to their turf where they're going to be safe. And it's it it was made in the seventies. It's set in the seventies in New York City where crime was quite high. But it's not really about crime. It's not really about youth. It's not really about an underclass. But it's just a film that's great because it's about this look. It's the feeling and experience of being with these desperate dudes fighting their way past people that look like henchmen from a Batman cartoon um, through a kind of neon New York set to a synth, synthy kind of soundtrack. You know, that's just there's just a real pleasure in that, in, in the concept, right? And I, I, like I say, it's not a hard and fast rule, but I, I think there's a bit of a balancing act you have to get right, and I don't think the platform does. Even though I think, it, in in some ways, it's a success, I just, I yeah, I, I think I was a bit disappointed by the fact that I don't think it got that balancing act right, and by the end, I just kind of felt like, just preached to. I mean, maybe that's illustrated a bit by the ending, because actually, I think the ending is quite ambiguous, um, and I wasn't quite satisfied. But then again, I think that's because of a decision that Gareng makes, and um, I think it's actually quite interesting, because... Each prisoner can bring in a copy. I can bring in one item. Yeah, they have, and he brings in Don Quixote, which is about a noble man trying to bring chivalry back to the modern world. And I sort of wonder, as his reasoning is to sort of quit smoking and read, but ultimately he wants to come in and he wants to try and introduce morality into like an unscrupulous territory. So yeah, I, I mean, I'm in the same place as you, really. That overall, I didn't wasn't massively satisfied. But there, it certainly explores some really interesting themes. And, yeah, a high-concept film that I definitely think I would recommend to people. Yeah, I mean, it would certainly get the conversation going, or possibly an argument, because someone, someone might be like, oh, well, um, oh, I'd just survive, I'd eat something, and then someone else would be would say, like, oh, where's your heart, you bloody Tory, 
or something like that. Um, so maybe it will certainly serve a purpose in that way. Hunger will drive you mad. You have a big heart, but honestly, I don't think you'll survive for long. So, um, if you like this, then I'm going to suggest to watch... You can, of course, watch some of the other films I've talked about here. (laughs) But if you like this, I'd say watch The Purge. Um, The Purge is about, uh, in America, in the near future, crime and unemployment has been driven to near zero, and peace and harmony reign supreme. And this is all because of one 12-hour period out of the year called The Purge, where all crime is legal, so citizens can vent their frustrations uh, whatever way they wish. And this follows one such purge night for a family, uh, with the husband, played by Ethan Hawke, and the wife, played by Lena Headey. As a rich family who suddenly come under assault from a sadistic group of murderers who are hunting uh, a very poor man. Just remember all the good the purge does. We'll be fine just like always, no worries, okay? This is your emergency broadcast system announcing the commencement of the annual purge. At the siren, all emergency services will be suspended for 12 hours. Your government thanks you for your participation. The reason I recommend this is I guess I had a similar feeling coming out of The Purge as I did The Platform. It's another coffee table book, right? Maybe the execution of The Purge isn't, is pretty imperfect. Maybe it, it different, from, different from The Platform. But, like, I think The Purge, you know, I, I struggle with because it's quite, it's a bit dull and forgettable in bits. But it is, as a conversation starter, it's brilliant. And I think the violence in the platform mix, uh, matches the violence in The Purge as it well. It does, yeah. They're both using kind of horror kind of yeah. concepts to kind of get across this idea. R- rather than picking something that's what, about one specific thing, I think they're both broadly about society and about um, inequality in society. Rather than just being about, say, just torture or the health or healthcare or or the media or something, it, it is broadly about inequality. But they're kind of about different sides of it because platform is kind of more about the inequality dressed up as a system, and the purge is about the mask of decency that covers much more base desires that that, that we all have. But both are kind of like high concept, um, and they're criticizing a system that's that's unfair. And yeah, I think it gets the conversation going, right? The, the, the interesting thing I, find, I think about The Purge is that it's um, kind of entered the modern American lexicon. It, maybe it's not going to stick around forever, but I keep seeing it. I've seen it popped up in uh, various things. So I think it really strikes a nerve with people. Like there's something about The Purge that really seems to get people talking, makes people think, oh, kind of, what does it mean? And what would I do in that situation? Yeah, The Purge is kind of like a morality tale dressed up as a horror film. And The Platform is a a bit of a horror film dressed up as a morality tale. Because I think actually, like... Platform... <laughs> I'm trying to get my head around that. That's, well, actually, that's, that's interesting. Well, actually, I, I think maybe because it's from... Like, I mean, The Purge always, to me, seemed like much more of a commercial film. Yes. And that actually, I think they wanted people to come and see it um, for the like the violence and the gore and the yeah the extremities of it. But um, ultimately, there is like there is obviously quite a lot of um, philosophy in there as well. But in the platform, even though f- from the trailer and from all the publicity I saw about it, it definitely feels like a. It looks like a film with a lot of heavy themes. 
Yes. There is so much violence and horror in it that you could call it a hybrid film in terms of genre. So uh, if you didn't like it, I would recommend watching uh, Battle Royale, which is uh, a Japanese film. In The Purge, American crime is at near zero, but in future Japan, crime is at a record high. Uh, Youth crime is particularly out of control, with schools unable to control their students. So Japan takes one random class every year, places them on an island, gives them a random weapon slash item, a small survival kit, and a small explosive device around their necks, which is used to control them should they try to escape or refuse to play the game. And the game is that only one kid is allowed to be left alive on that island after three days. Some might argue with me, <laughs> might argue with me on this, uh, but I don't think the battle royale is trying to moralise to us about anything in society. I think it's one of those films that I was talking about that actually is really much more happy with creating this great concept and uh, wants to run with that concept rather than trying to think what everything means. They're happy to maybe let that unfold on its own, naturally, rather than 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 preaching something at you. Platform and Battle Royale are both um, high concepts. They're both about survival, but I don't think Battle Royale is trying to preach at you. So I think if you were really switched off, and particularly if you're like a bit bored by the end, then I think Battle Royale's something that's a bit more for you. Yeah, I'd say it's much more accessible Battle Royale. Yeah. Um, and that's not to demean it, because I think obviously accessible can be attributed to a film in a negative like idea. Yeah. But um, actually, like I think Battle Royale's one of those films that is sort of very easy to watch. I think the action set pieces are put together really, really well. Yeah. Um, you're engaged with all the characters. Yeah, I, I really like the characters as well. I think it, you know, that's the that's the thing. I think it, there are so many different characters and they've all got their own motivations and personalities. It keeps it being dynamic. It keeps jumping to a really good new concept. It, it keeps it diverse and interesting. And I think maybe that's what the platform needed. Like... Or I needed the wrong word, but I felt you, I feel a lot more satisfied coming out of Battle Royale because I'm just much more on the edge of my seat. It's much more tense and exciting because they're they're happy just to create all these di- these different characters and these different people, and then just kind of um, set them spinning, set them off, and 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 see where they all end up. Right? I don't think Battle Royale is a shallow film, and maybe people would say that actually there's a lot of stuff in there that I'm completely missing. But I think it kind of drops any social commentary just for just an unforgettably brilliant concept. So brilliant, in fact, that it seems to have created a kind of genre of films and and beyond. Like Fortnite, probably as much to owe Battle Royale as does any of its like kind of gaming influences. If you've never actually tried Battle Royale, I think this is a it's it's really worth seeking out. It's definitely one of those films to see before you die. Thank you so much for listening to Cellcast. You can find and subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud as Cellcast. And come follow us on Twitter at Cell Magazine and like us on Facebook.com forward slash Cell Magazine.